Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin. For all the super wine geeks out there, we have a special new series dedicated to you. We are reading excerpts from our new edition of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0. Wine lovers, tune in for your weekly fix only on Italian Wine Podcast. If you want to own a copy of this new must-read Italian wine textbook, just go to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Abruzzo, historical background. When we refer to the origins of wine growing in Abruzzo, the region's productive history was based on the ability of the Sunnites to reinvigorate the Etruscans and Piscinian cultures that had annexed the Abruzzi territory in the 1st century BC. However, it was the Greek historian Polybius, 205-125 BC, who first extolled the virtues of the wine produced in those territories, recounting Hannibal's victory at Cannae and recording how Abruzzese wine had helped to restore both healthy and wounded soldiers. But the entire agricultural sector suffered a severe recession with the fall of the Roman Empire and the subsequent barbarian invasions. Only a few religious settlements existed in the region, and they were unable to keep viticulture flourishing. In many territories, vineyards were completely abandoned, while in others, viticulture barely survived. What we know for sure is that wines made from aromatic grapes, such as Malvasia and Moscato, were mainly drunk at aristocratic tables, while common people preferred wines made from rustic grapes, intended for family consumption. Records of wine activities did not reappear until the 16th century. Domenico Serafino Orazio recounts how in 1567 the port of Histonium, today's Vasto, was a large importer of wines destined for Venice, although he gives no explanation to the origin of those wines, whether from Campania, Apulia or Abruzzo. A few decades later, in 1595, Andrea Bacci, in his monumental work, De Naturali Vinorum Historia, recounts that wines from L'Aquila, obtained from Moscatello grapes, attracted drinkers with their fragrance. Wines from Sulmona were described as white and yellow, they were highly esteemed and were obtained from Moscatelle and Trebulane grapes. Are you enjoying 
enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. In the late 18th century, publication Viaggio nel Paese dei Peligni, Journey in the Land of the Peligni, the Neapolitan historian Michele Torcia describes Trebbiano, Lacrima, Malvasia, and Muscatella for the first time. Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is mentioned along with other vines whose traces have unfortunately been lost over the centuries. After Torcia, other historical and technical texts followed, describing the characteristics of the Montepulciano vine, which became the most famous vine in Abruzzo in the early 20th century. In 1854, Panfilo Serafini wrote in his Monografia Storica di Sulmona that, quote, the most common vines are Montepulciano, both early and late maturing, just as Arturo Marescalchi and Edoardo Tavi described in great detail the grape varieties present in Abruzzo in their work entitled Vademecum del Commerciante di Uve e di Vini in Italia, published in 1871. Amongst the most mentioned are Camblese or Campolese, Passerina, Racciapollone, Montonico, Tivolese, Verdicchio, Malvasia, Moscatello, Montepulciano, Cordisco and Primutico, Gaglioppo, Aleatico and Lacrima. Unfortunately, many of these varieties were replaced by more productive Trebbiano Toscano and Trebbiano Abruzzese after the end of the Second World War. Geomorphology Abruzzo faces the Adriatic Sea and borders Marche to the north, Molise to the south, and Lazio to the west. 65% of its territory is mountainous, including the highest Apennine reliefs in Italy, Gran Sasso, Corno Grande, De Maiella Massif, and Monte Amaro. The mountainous area, due to both the climate and the clay limestone origin of its slopes, does not lend itself to viticulture, which is instead widespread both in the hilly area that occupies 34% of Abruzzo's territory and in the flat coastal area that represents only 1% of the entire surface area. The hilly areas have a sublittoral continental climate in the more inland areas, with temperatures dropping as altitude increases and frequent rainfall. Vineyards areas along the coastal strip, on the other hand, enjoy a climate characterized by high temperatures in summer and mild rainy winters. From a morphological point of view, the territory is characterized by a series of terraces sloping down towards the sea, incised in west-easterly direction by valleys that together give rise to landscapes consisting of plateau areas and slopes with various exposures. 
As a whole, the geological structure of Abruzzo of Pleistocene origin is complex, but homogeneous in its individual lithological classification. If we analyze the hillless strip bordering the Marche region, in the northern part there are marine sedimentary rocks, in particular sandstones and clays, while in the southern areas there are marine deposits with fossil-rich clays and sands. Naturally, the most suitable areas for growing vines are those that gradually rise from the coast toward the foothills, and those in the Pescara River Valley where the Popoli Gorges, the Sulmona Plateau and the Pelinia Valley converge. Here the soils present the same characteristics as those in the foothills, with the presence of materials deriving from the disintegration of sandy clay successions of various colors from yellow ochre to yellow gray of marine origin and conglomerates. Soils located upstream of the gorges in the area known as the Conca are the residue of a now dry ancient lake and are therefore mainly sandy silty, rich in coarse particles and very dry. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, ciao.